Welcome to CMO Confidential, the podcast that takes you inside the drama, decisions, and choices that go with being the head of marketing. Hosted by five-time CMO, Mike Linton. Today's episode of CMO Confidential is brought to you by CMOcoaches.com. Are you a current or aspiring chief marketing officer looking to take your career to the next level? You should work with a CMO coach. CMO coaches are former CMOs who are nationally certified coaches. So whether you want to improve your leadership skills, develop your team, or drive better business results, we have the experience and expertise to help you succeed. To learn more, visit us at cmocoaches.com. Welcome marketers, advertisers, and those who love them to Chief Marketing Officer Confidential. CMO Confidential is a program that takes you inside the drama, the decisions, and the politics that go with being the head of marketing at any company in what is one of the most scrutinized jobs in the executive suite. I'm Mike Linton, the former Chief Marketing Officer of Best Buy, eBay, Farmers Insurance, and Ancestry.com, here with my guest, Kim Whitler. Today's com- Today's topic, a comprehensive look at how to fix the CMO position, a two-in-one operating and academic view of marketing in one show. Kim started her career at P&G and went on to be the GM of Aurora Foods and David's Bridal. She then shifted to the academic world and is now a professor at the University of Virginia, the Darden School of Business. Go who's, I just have to say that. While at Virginia, she has spent her much of her time researching and studying the CMO job and brings what I consider a very unique perspective to our show as both an operator and a student of the position. Welcome, Kim. Thank you. It's great to be here. I'm such a fan of your podcast, so it's 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 uh, really fun for me to be here with you today. Thanks. And it's great to have you on the show saying nice things about the podcast. So uh, we all appreciate that. So, so Kim, let's just start this out with... Uh, Give us your take on what is going on with CMO and and uh, job tenure, like and, and what you've seen over the last couple of years in your studies. So you, you know, I'm always fascinated by this. It started kind of around 2004 when Spencer Stewart published their first uh, average CMO tenure study, and then every year they've done it since. And of course, that first year that they published it, it was a disaster. Average tenure is roughly two to three years. It's very short. The problem, the problem with this is that averages, as you know, can be very misleading. And then you have to look at the source of the data. So, so our knowledge about CMO tenure typically comes from that study. Right. They typically look at the top 100 companies. Well, how many people work at the top largest 100 companies? Well, only 100. <laughs> um, that's and, what makes and, you such a good so, professor is that math thing. <laughs> Look at how smart I am, how <laughs> I figured that out. Uh, and, and so it's a little misleading. In my research where I look at um, look at a much broader set of companies, small to large, um, what we find is that the data is bimodal. What that means is you have a ton of people, almost 60%, who have tenure of less than three years. And then you have this odd group that's around 10% that has greater than tenure, uh, tenure. So on average, when you average that out, 
you end up with kind of a roughly three, two and a half to four year type of an average. I think what matters is the distribution. And the key here is that most CMOs tend to not last much longer than three years. Which and is so a horrible, key, horrible the, thing. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, sorry. It, it is a horrible thing. And it's the, you know, it's the shortest in the C-suite. Corn Ferry did a study and the CMO is the shortest tenure in the C-suite. And so it, it is a problem, but that, that's what you want to look at is to say, okay, how do we get over that three-year hump? What is it that we could do to try to extend the longevity of the CMO position greater than three years? So, so let's talk about that because if I take the bimodal distribution out, I cut off that ten-year tenure, which is uh, which is a great plan where it's a tenure, ten-year tenure. Um, what's your thought on what's contributing to this short, short tenure? So. I think so so I think it's it's more complicated than people like like to consider, right? We like to think that if 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 I'm the CEO and something's not working, it must be the fault of the CMO. And so you just fire the CMO and everything voila is, is fixed. The reality is that it's far more complicated. But let me start with the person. Okay, so if you have short tenure, sometimes the individual themselves don't have the skill, the knowledge, the expertise, the ability to adapt to the new environment and new role. Um, I'll talk in my, I know you're, I think you're going to talk, we're going to talk a little bit about the CMO role specifically. And in my research, more than half of jobs, the role is designed incorrectly. The role wow. doesn't- Wait, 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 I, I have to stop. I have to stop. You just said over half the CMO gigs are designed in a way that the CMO, when you say incorrectly, that's designed for failure, right? Or, or the yeah, expectations it, it, of the person are not going to match. Is, is that right? Is that what I'm hearing you say? So the, while the way that we look at this, this is research we've been working on for 12 years. Welcome to the academic life cycle of, of research. But, but what we do is we look at the pieces and parts of a role. We try to disaggregate it to understand how do you design a role so that it can fit together so that CMOs have the best chance of success. Part of what we look at is the experience and, and the type of training that the CMO has. And we and we look at the what type of training fits with what type of responsibility. So you have position and, and uh, that position is endowed with certain responsibilities. What you're looking for is that the two fit together. Let me give you a let me give you a rough example. Please. Okay. Yeah. I know nothing about football. My sport is basketball. Right. So to me, if I need to hire a football player, I hire a football player. It doesn't matter if it's a punter, a linebacker or a quarterback. They're all football players. And the challenge with CMOs, as I've studied the different types of roles, the different types of training, is they're almost like snowflakes. No two are the same. In fact, I remember, Mike, I, I interviewed you for my research yeah. way back when to try to understand how there had been a shift even in the role of the CMO at Best Buy from one CMO to another. The same role had changed. And, and so in this case, CEOs almost look at CMOs as football players. You're all the same. You're, you're kind of interchangeable. And yet, as you and I know, if you grew up working, okay, I'm gonna be extreme, as a creative at an ad agency, versus working at a data analyst at a Fiserv company versus working in brand management at PepsiCo, those are three different 
types of, of roles and your view of marketing, what you're trained to do is quite different and it prepares you to be a different type of marketer. And so understanding the variance in the CMO and understanding the variance in the position, you have to fit these things together to ensure that the CMO is the best chance of success. So, so I hear you talking about the person, but also within this is also then the, uh, the job spec and the CEO actually and the board going to school on this and, and not just saying, you know, like, I won't make fun of the Virginia football program, but we'll just get any football player on here and that'll be fine. Um, <laughs> oh, I didn't yeah. say Virginia. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I know you didn't. I know you didn't. Um, well, and look, I'm a Duke guy, so not a lot there either on the football team, though we are making a lot of bowls. Anyways, um, tell us about the other things. You talked about the person and you kind of in there was the job matching and the job spec and the and the board and the CEO. Uh, and then probably the search firms in here too, in terms of what they're doing, because because they're in the middle. Just just pick any of those, and then we'll take them apart a little bit. Okay, so so let me start with beliefs of the people above the CMO. There's almost I just wrote a couple of papers on how the board affects CMO performance. I just did some research on this. There's almost no research on how the board affects the C level, except for the CEO. Right. And reality though is if you have board members that believe that marketers don't matter and, and they're jazz hands and they what they do is arts and crafts, then what you're going to have is that is marketing is not invited to board meetings. It's marginalized in the firm. And all of this you have to know before you enter a job because your ability to change the board once you get in the job is gonna be negligible. So if the board and the CEO do not believe that marketing is a vital part of firm performance, then they will marginalize the function. Now you're fighting uphill, you're fighting a battle of beliefs. And then, so what do you do? Spend all your time trying to change the people above you? Which you're not, so this never gonna happen, yeah. It's not gonna happen. And so, you know, I interviewed this, I had a Saha moment. I was interviewing this board member and I think he had been on the board of like 15 companies. And he said to me, he got, I said, can you give me an example of a time when a when marketer uh, when a marketer should be invited to join a board? And he said, him never. And you know, I, look, as an academic, they train you that there's always exceptions to everything. You're not you're not an absolutist. And I said, well, surely there's some time at some point a company would need a marketer on the board. And he said, no, you're not listening to me. I mean, never should a wow. marketer invited to participate to be on board. So I then, cause I was shaking, I was so kind of frustrated with his extremism, if you will. But I said, stop, take off your hat, put on your scientist hat and ask why. So I, I said, help me understand why you believe that. And he had a lot of different reasons, but actually the heart of this is that marketers do not play a strategic. I asked him, I said, well, if marketers don't play a strategic role, who does? Yeah, who does? You're going to laugh. So he said, operations, and I almost fell out of my seat. I then followed up and I said, and what function did you come from? Operations. So what you get is this tremendous in-group bias. My function, operations, is the most important function in the firm. So we need a board with a lot of those people and we don't need a board with those unimportant marketers. 
Now, in other research I've done, in marketing is not typically as important in manufacturing firms. So right. he probably has a marginalized view of marketing because in those types of firms, it often is marginalized. He doesn't know the power and the potential of marketing because he didn't work at Pepsi. So this he is, I got to do a public service announcement here for all our listeners that might be interviewing for a CMO job, which is, I, I think it is very important to actually have some contact in the interview process with the board and the CEO and ask a bunch of hard questions on what decision rights you are going to have as a CMO or else you will get a job spec that doesn't match uh, with the expectations of what people want you to do, or you're going to be shut out of rooms that you need to be in to make the changes they want you to make. And um, and I, I think this is a, a never comment for, you know, I've, I've been on, I think, like 10 boards, I'm never having a marketer on the board. That That is just personally hurtful that that this person has said this. So I, I so I would, I would, I, I would like, can we go on to the, like, there's something beneath this on the role spec and then unwrapping the role spec and the search firm's role in this, uh, when you're, when you're going as a CMO or a CMO candidate into the job, can you talk about, can you talk about that, the job spec and the, and the, defining the role and figuring this out. Okay. Um, well, so by the way, just I have actually in one of the research papers that I did on the board's impact on performance, I actually have a list of suggestions for CMOs. So if anybody pings me, I'm happy to send you a link to the article. It's hard to find because it's an academic publication, but it but it actually has a lot of suggestions on what to do to ensure before you land at the job, you're aligned with the board and the CEO. Um, all right, so back to the jobs or back to the uh, CMO role. So let me explain what I did. What As part of this research, I interviewed people. As another part, I actually surveyed CMOs. And the third part is I got, um, a tranche of uh, CMO job specs. And we then coded them, we converted them into analyzable data and then we analyzed the job specs. So three different types of data we put together to try to understand what's going on with the jobs. And essentially when I say misaligned, what I mean is in part the expectations, what you expect the CMO to do is not aligned with the responsibility and that's not aligned with the accountability and, and or the skills that are stated in the job spec. So if you think about the jobs, think about a job spec. It starts off and says, here's what we want you to do. So it's kind of this, you know, this is a huge job. You have to go change the world. It's, it's all cell language, okay? This is very important. You're gonna be the most important CMO ever. Then it gets into specific expectations or, or specific, specific responsibilities. You're going to manage this. You're going to manage that. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. The last part of the job spec typically uh, talks about what type of skills they're looking for. All we did is we looked at how, to what degree these three pieces matched. Yeah. So if you want somebody who is going to be a growth engineer and change the trajectory of growth for the firm, you know, do you, are you actually giving them the levers that drive growth or not? Right. And, it seems very obvious, your, but. But and to your earlier point on this, if you want growth and you hire uh, 
a performance marketing analytic efficiency person, you are going to probably have trouble on the innovation front there. And so this this goes back to your first point. But I, I do think this is 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 really interesting that you are basically saying a lot of job specs and and we've heard from uh some of the search firms that the job spec is the most important thing for the CMO to lock in on you're saying not the most important thing and you really got to unwrap this on your own when you go into that interview so is is that right well so then so let me tell you about something that happened I, I was doing, I was in the middle of this research and I made a statement to somebody who's quite important in our space, a big executive recruiter at one of the big firms. And he said, Kim, you can't analyze job specs. And I said, what? What do you mean I can't? I, I've, I'm, I'm collecting them from across different firms, from boutique firms all the way up to the big ones. So I'm getting a nice cross section of job specs, different types of CMO roles. And he said, Kim, we just cut and paste. Wow. Well, so here's Mike. I, I I said, wait, wait, wait. What you're telling me is you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. That job spec represents to the hiring firm. It is the embodiment of the position that, that you are searching for to the CMO, the prospective CMO. It is the contract. It is the embodiment of the position that they are interviewing for. That is the key document that connects the two and you're saying that you actually are not very, um, you don't customize them, you, you know, you're not taking great care in, in, in managing these, that's actually deeply concerning. Now I will tell you, having looked at job specs across a great number of firms, boutique firms customize them. Boutique firms go in, they do the interviews, they really generally try to tailor them. I, but. And frankly, because I got a number of job specs from this firm, they were different. But what he was saying is we don't take enough care on writing up these job specs. So the advice I give CMOs is throw away the job spec. Go to the interview, understand what the expectations are, understand what the true responsibilities are. Look at the org chart. Who actually is underneath you? Look at a budget. What what is the size of the budget? Is it reasonable to deliver on the expectations? What's the timing of of expectations? Go do the work yourself. Assume the job spec is is useless, and try to understand the job to the best of your ability. Um, because it a lot of times this is a selling document. They're trying to make the job as sound as important as possible I, I to am, the perspective. I am so with you on this. And I would also suggest running through a couple sample decisions, which for me is who has final say on creative media, who can move money across budgets? Do you have the capital to use on your own? And if you don't have all those things, you actually don't have the authority that goes with the responsibility. Hey, hey Kim, I want to I want to flip this over because we were talking about the I have to follow up on this. Um, it, it, we are talking about the short tenure of of CMOs. How much does the search community, how 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 much responsibility do they bear for this short tenure? Because they, you know, it, it, it's it's fabulous if you have a bunch of short tenure jobs and you get to keep replacing them. Um, and, and most search firms guarantee the job for a year. Tell me what you think, if you're comfortable, how much responsibility is on the, the, the search firm? Because we've said a lot is on the company, the board, the CEO, and the candidate. What about the firm? 
Yeah. Um, so let, let me also follow up with the point that you made about understanding true discretion. Yeah. I love your idea of, of asking some specific questions, but I'll give you an example of something that happened to me. I literally asked the CEO, I want to make sure that I can assemble the team that I want. So I have the right to hire and fire whomever right. I want. Correct. Right. He said, yes, I landed in the job. I wanted to let somebody go. He said, no. Right. So the, the the key thing on this one is that I had learned this was kind of the last CMO gig I had. Yeah. And I had written down all of these discussions and I went back to him and said, wait, wait, wait. I took the job under a certain set of circumstances and you're now kind of reneging on those decision rights. Let's have a conversation. So your, your point is a really important one. All right. So regarding the search community, look. CEOs are not expert at understanding the different types of CMOs and how to hire them. They're not. They're not expert at designing the CMO role. That's not their expertise. CMOs are not expert at understanding how to design a role or even understanding the variance in the types of CMOs. I was a CMO and I had no idea. I thought everybody treated marketing the way Procter & Gamble did. Shocked to me, they didn't. <laughs> right. Because all I knew was what I knew until I tried a different experience. And then you have a kind of um, a, a cold awakening. Who should be expert is this is the search com community. This is what they do. And so, you know, unfortunately, you have to look at the results and say. That we have a short tenure challenge. Um and the search community must be in some way contributing to that. And so one of the questions I think you could ask when you're dealing with somebody in search, especially if you're hiring them, is I would ask for data on how many searches they've conducted and what's the average tenure of, of the people that they place. Oh, what I try to understand idea. their performance. What a great idea. Hey, since you brought it up and we were both at Proctor, does Procter and Gamble training still matter uh, in as as you know people are looking for marketers? Because you you have this classical consumer goods. Does it matter like it used to? And um, you know how important is it to get a good start like that? So so I will um, I'm going to bring up David Weiser. He's a he's an executive search uh, guy. He founded his own firm. And I asked him this question, I was doing an interview and I, I asked him, I said, what do you think? Because my students don't want CPG. CPG doesn't pay like tech. And for young people, the value of the job is directly related to the compensation. So if you're not paying, you know, much more than you were paying a decade ago and consulting now. For, so for example, you know, a P&G might pay 120 to 130,000. I'm skipping bonus and stuff. You know, consulting now is is close to two hundred thousand. I banking's north of two fifty. I mean, so you sit there and go, well, clearly that training isn't nearly as valuable as going to a consulting firm. I mean, it's just a proxy. Pay is a proxy. So I asked him what he thought, and he said, Kim, here's the way I look at it. Consul he said, consulting is a staff role. They they don't have implementation. They don't manage a team. Um, and they really don't see an enterprise-wide view. People come to them with a specific problem. They're not the ones identifying across the business what are the problems that should be solved. So he said, I think after undergrad, consulting is a terrific career path. 
undergrad consulting, MBA, then you want GM experience. And if you want the marketing side of GM, that is CPG. CPG is the only one, generally, I'm generalizing, that tends to put marketers in the PL seat. That's the key. Most about three fourths of the jobs that marketers are in are not PL based. Agreed. They're staff role based. And so when you go to work at a company where you are supporting the PL, your mindset's different. Your responsibility is different. You're not on the hook for the for the performance of the firm. And so that CPG training is still, I think it still matters and it's still um, you know, a terrific. A foundation. However, after PNG, after CPG, it's great to get a different industry experience. Now you go parlay that into financial services where they have first party data. You you can dive into data in a different way. PNG's data is so third, it's so removed because you have to yeah. go through the retailer that you don't have the same nature. The data isn't as you just don't have the same breadth of data, the same nature of the data. So you go to financial services, you get to learn about that, or you go to tech and you and you learn about technology. So retailing is a common one. You go to retailing where you actually have that. Kim, I so appreciate this because you've just you've just uh, delivered my my resume on air. Um, so I the uh, I and and for those of you in the uh, uh, who are listening? It's uh, CPG is consumer packaged goods. Uh, if if you don't know, um, and um, I as, as we're almost running out, we're almost running towards the end of the show here, Kim. So I, I and we're definitely going to have you back, given all this research, and also you publish a lot of this research on LinkedIn. If if people want to want to go look at it, um, last question: any practical advice or? key points that we haven't talked about on this topic that you want to make before before we sign off so our listeners can can get the benefit of, of anything you want to tell them um yeah you know a few a few pieces of advice we talked about how important it is to make sure the c suite is aligned the ceo the board but but what i would also do is to make sure that whatever you are held accountable for if they want you to drive growth Make sure that you own the growth levers. You won't. You won't own all of them. So then you have to make sure that whatever fu other functions that you're dependent on have the same responsibility, this, the same uh, account accountability measures that you do. So I'm going to use it as, as an example. If I'm the CMO and I'm dependent on the CIO to drive my agenda, then both of you need to be responsible for growth outcomes, not just you. But both of you align your responsibilities and your accountabilities horizontally so that the other players um, will work. You're just putting the mechanisms in place to ensure alignment. That The last thing I would say is don't allow yourself to be a scapegoat, scapegoat, scapegoat. OK, far too often, I think the marketers a scapegoat. And here's the scenario. I'm going to share a story with you that literally happened. I was in the PhD program. I got a call um, from a headhunter who said, Kim, are you interested in this job? It was a CMO role for a very large university system. I had just finished the job spec analysis. 
And I looked at the job spec and for the first time I saw truth. I saw the problem in the job spec. I'd never seen it as a CMO. And it started off and it said, we're a top 30 school and the CMO is responsible for turning us into a top 15 school. (laughs) Now, you then read, so, I mean, it's, oh, you read it and you're like, this is a, oh my gosh, I'm so important. If I were to do this, this is you know, so important. You read the rest of the job spec. What does it take to transform a school's ranking? It takes money. It takes better students. It takes better faculty. It takes, takes better facilities. Oh, by the way, a little bit on communications and PR and so yeah. The CMO doesn't own any of those first four. Those are the drivers of of a of a rankings change. And I said to the executive recruiter, I said, of course, I'm in a PhD. I, you know, I'm going to become a professor. I'm not interested. Normally, I would recommend CMOs for this. They wanted somebody from outside of academia. I said, I cannot. And the reason I cannot is because you're setting the CMO up to fail. And I said, let can I explain to you why? And I suggested to her that she go back and she renegotiate the expectations and the responsibilities with the president of the university. About a year later, I get a ping through email and this guy sends me a note says, Kim, I have to talk to you. I understand, you know, you know a lot about this space. I'm in a position and I'm really struggling. I look down and he's the CMO <laughs> at the university. I'm, I, I'm not lying. This is exactly what happened. I get on the phone. I don't tell him all the backstory. I said, would you please send me the job spec that <laughs> You were hired. The job spec had not changed. The executive recruiter had not renegotiated anything. And there's no way this guy could change the trajectory of the school. He did not have any of the levers. And if you understand academia, marketing is really marginalized. I totally do. His his ability to, to even influence this was nearly impossible. So, and so this is the cautionary tale. This, so this is a great story to end on because it's not it's it's amusing, interesting and relevant to our our, our listeners. So we're, we're at time and we will definitely be having you back on the show. So thank you, Kim. And thanks to everyone for listening to CMO Confidential. Look for more of our shows on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple and YouTube, which include why marketing and IT should be BFFs. Is the COO position headed for extinction? What I learned as New York City's first ever CMO under Michael Bloomberg, and a bookend to this one, a top executive recruiter talks about the CMO space. This is uh, this is Mike Linton uh, signing off for CMO Confidential. Hey, all you marketers, stay safe out there. This episode of CMO Confidential is produced and sponsored by Adcom. One of the premier integrated marketing and advertising agencies, Adcom works with mid-market companies to create measurable returns. With 30 plus years experience, Adcom partners to lead innovative strategy, creative, media, and analytics for growth-oriented brands that want to differentiate themselves in a crowded field. Working in B2B, B2C, healthcare, financial services, transportation, building products, and consumer goods, Adcom leverages unique internal and external insights to create dynamic and lasting brands ready to maximize their market position. For more information, visit us at engageadcom.com.
Great careers are forged out of great relationships. Your success, whatever your field, relies and thrives on the support and insights of others. I'm Andy Lapata, an author and speaker on the power of professional relationships. In the Connected Leadership podcast, I have the privilege of interviewing people from around the world to understand the relationships that have made a difference on their journey and how their insights can help you. From Nobel Prize winners to Olympians, from NASA astronauts to peace campaigners, my guests have shared some captivating moments from their lives and careers. Combined with experts from leading universities, cutting-edge authors and giants of business, the Connected Leadership Podcast aims to inspire, educate and entertain. Are you tired of the same old productivity hacks? Have you read the top 20 books on effectiveness and yet your work days and email inbox still causing anxiety, burnout, and even depression? Ready to learn the latest in brain-based modalities, techniques, and technologies to optimize your success and well-being? Welcome to the Focus to Evolve podcast where we'll illuminate your path to spacious productivity and balanced thriving. Each week, we dive into deeply insightful and immediately impactful methods to help you become highly effective while promoting health, profitability, and well-being. Say goodbye to the trance of busyness and hello to your highest potential. It's time to discover a new way of accelerating your mission, growth, and purpose. Join us on the Focus to Evolve podcast and get ready to live your most joyful, productive, and fulfilling life.